Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. I'm your host, Nick Sigelski, and I'm joined with my co-host, Jen Allen Knuth. And today we have Taylor Lemke, who is a inside sales account executive at Zapier. Jen, why should people listen? Taylor does a phenomenal job of showing us all the work we can do in advance of the first call to make sure the first call that we have a prospect hits it out of the park. A three, a two, a one. We hit this episode out of the park. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline forward is to every single day pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now, we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them. Today's tactic to triple your connect rate is brought to you by RocketReach, who provides data that lets you reach out to the right person at the right account at the right time. Every time you're reaching out to an account, pull down the contacts again. Yes, I know it sucks, but the average tech tenure is two years, which means 50% of the workforce turns over every year. So look up the account, pull anyone who was hired, and scratch anyone who was left. And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with Rocket Reach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes. This week's actionable prospecting tactic is from Sixth Sense, who shows you the prospects who are most likely to buy so you can get more meetings with fewer activities. Personalizing cold emails requires you to only change the first paragraph in a trigger template. All you have to do is tie the research to the problem you solve in paragraph one, and then switch that out while you leave paragraphs two and three, your solution and call to action, exactly the same. And so we are giving you six of these trigger templates with our partners at Sixth Sense. The link is in the show notes. All right, Taylor, welcome to the show. We start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways. So let's get your three. My first one is to use a mutual action plan to show all the things you're doing for a customer in order to ask for a give get. Boom. What's number two? Yeah, my second one is to use a glad I caught you. I only have 10 minutes before my next meeting as a cold call opener. Like, hey, Nick, I'm really glad I caught you. I actually only have 10 minutes until my next meeting. Reason I'm calling is I see you're about halfway through your trial. I've got some ideas to ensure the last half of your trial is successful. Do you have 10 minutes to chat through some of my ideas to see how we can help? Beautiful. Round us out. What's number three? 
Three is don't go into an inbound meeting blind. Use a more information needed snippet to quickly qualify or disqualify inbound leads before you get on the call. So Taylor, you're working this role where you're getting all sorts of inbound pings all the time. And sometimes you're like, oh, actually that needs to be routed to support. Other times you're like, oh my gosh, I've got the deal of the century in my lap. Talk to me about the things that you're doing before you meet live with the customer to ensure that meeting is successful. Definitely. This is just a part of my pre-call research that I've added as a task. You know, maybe you might get in like an inbound call and, and the sales form is pretty vague. Maybe you see that a lot of people are being added from like different cross-functional titles onto a meeting. Mm -hmm. I'm going into this call pretty blind. What I'm going to do is, hey, customer, really, thanks for reaching out. Really excited to meet. Would you mind answering a couple questions for me? This is going to make sure that I'm providing the best resources to you prior to our conversation. This snippet has a mix of six questions that I'm able to tailor based off of what I'm doing in my pre-call research that asks things really to put my customers into a couple different buckets. They've already gone through the process and are highly engaged in Zapier. We're looking to really just go through like a pricing conversation. Maybe it's just like a general intake kind of question. This allows me to understand what are some of the features and functions to like really prioritize where this deal is potentially going to land and quickly pre-qualify or quickly disqualify. So you mentioned you have, I think, six or so questions. My guess is you could ask 60 or so questions if you really wanted to. What types of questions are you choosing to ask? I know some of these are specific to your business, but I'm curious how you chose the types of questions you're asking the prospect. Yeah, they are specific to my business, but I think you can definitely replicate this no matter the type of product you're selling. So specific to my role at Zapier, I'm asking what processes are you looking to automate? Are you exploring this product for your personal needs or your organization? That's already going to really help me think, is this something that they're taking on for their team or they you know, just go about exploring it for another area of the business? I want to know things about what are they currently using? What are some of the things in terms of an ideal timeline for an ideal solution when it would be put in place? Also asking a couple qualifying questions in terms of any plans that they're already evaluating. I imagine there are times that you get a response to that email and the customer is clearly looking for something that you, Taylor, are not going to be able to deliver. What I mean by that is they're asking for things that you know you're going to need a subject matter expert on involved or a technical resource involved in. And I don't know if that's something that your business always will do. So what do you do when the customer is like, oh, we need to go over these eight things and you're like, uh-oh, I don't know the answer to any of those. That's why pre-call research is so important. And just to be able to ask these questions, that's why you can go in internally. Maybe start asking a couple of your internal stakeholders, loop in a solutions engineer if you have access to that. Go into that call with a little bit of research done on your half. But I think it's about meeting the customer, like also making sure they're meeting you where you're at. I want to go into this discovery call and just understand if there is a business challenge even to solve and if Zapier could be the right fit. So I would say, even if I go into that meeting and don't have all the right answers, that's a really great way to position a next step mm -hmm. to be able to get all the qualifying information in that first conversation to then loop in a subject matter expert. But just asking the questions and providing that snippet prior, you're already starting to pinpoint and like put the puzzle pieces together of, hey, this is going to be a pretty technical evaluation. 
So in that meeting, I'm going to want to make sure I understand, does this meet my internal threshold to be able to request a solutions engineer? Do they already know who is going to be the executive buyer on this deal? And do they have access? If so, chances are I can start pulling some more strings internally. If they haven't thought through some of those questions, it may just not be qualified enough for me to go out of my way to even ask those questions to those really technical questions that they're expecting me to have the answers for. So today's Monday. Let's say you get an inbound lead, Taylor, and the call is for Friday. At what point are you sending those six questions? And what do you do if, let's say, it's Thursday or Wednesday and they still haven't responded? Great plug for Zapier. I have this process automated. So I'm getting notifications when someone books time on my calendar. And I'm already knowing and having a really good idea of what they're expecting to go into this call. But if I see that automation comes through and their form comes through and it's pretty vague, I'm going to hope that they have a phone number or I'm going to go and source that phone number and try to get them on the phone. If I don't get an answer, I think that also just helps me making sure I go into that conversation and I ask these snippet questions at the top of the meeting and go into my usual discovery question cadence. Taylor, I freaking love that because you're right. You talked about this world where you've got a meeting and other people from the customer's organization getting added to the invite. You get all of those notifications. And to your point earlier, if you go in blind, even if you get responses to that questionnaire that you send in advance, there might be six other people and you're like, I don't know why you all are here. And one of my favorite plays to run has been what you just described, which is I want to try to single thread with every single person who's in the deal. And so anytime I have an invite with multiple people on it and I haven't spoken to some of those people, I'm doing exactly what you just described, which is find everybody's phone number and call them and say something like, Hey, Jen, I saw you just got added to the meeting that I have with Taylor on Friday. I know you and I haven't met, but I wanted to see. I'm doing some prep. Is there anything in particular you'd really like to have us cover or address in our meeting together there? And nine times out of 10, Jen just gushes words describing everything that she wants out of that meeting. And I get to have many discovery calls with every single person. So what you're doing is so smart because you have such a technical and sometimes creative sale Anything that you can do to understand their situation before that first meeting is so helpful for you. So on that same vein, Taylor, outside of the questions that they're asking or they're answering, what other steps are you taking in terms of pre-meeting prep to prepare yourself for a really solid discovery conversation? I think the three by three when you're prospecting can be replicated in your pre-call research. Take three minutes, find three different things, whether that be what is the current active usage of their account across Zapier right now? What are some of the applications that they're using and integrating in Zapier? What are some of the certain teams so I can see if this is potentially a cross-functional type of play? Mm -hmm. Looking to see areas of active usage. I'm also going on LinkedIn. I'm using SalesNav to my advantage. I'm also using a lot of AI to help as well. Another plug for Zapier, I've got a bot set up that helps based off of their demo form and based off of research that AI is doing, help me formulate a couple of really good discovery questions that's tailored based off of current account usage and based off of what their demo form intake says. Can you tell me more about that? Absolutely. So we have got an integration with AI. Essentially, every time that I've got a meeting booked on my calendar, 
between HubSpot, between looking at some of the information that we have internal tools and internal systems. It's really just like an automation that aggregates all this information into one. I get a notification in Slack and I'm able to start my pre-call research process there. At that point, when I see that message come through with some of that pre-call research help, that's where I'm able to see hey, I'm going to go into this call pretty blind, right? I didn't get as much information needed, likely just due to the fact that maybe there's no usage on the account. Maybe they just had a really vague sales form. I'm going to go and send this snippet out to them. Maybe I found that I saw that a bunch of like high C-suite level people are on the call, right? They're starting to invite a lot of people onto this meeting. But I saw in their demo form that they're looking for like a general intake, but maybe they booked the meeting like two weeks out I'm going to say, hey, this seems like a really great opportunity. Let me reach out to them, see what they're interested in, and let me try to pull that meeting in a little bit sooner. Why wait two weeks? It's just like a really good leverage point based off of how I have my process today to, again, put all of my different prospects into different buckets to quickly DQ or to quickly qualify. So one of the things I love that's coming through in your approach is that you are so mindful about the value of your prospect's time on that first conversation. I think we all know the most frustrating thing we can do on a first call is ask people to fill something out or share something with us only to ask it again when we first get them on the phone. So can you talk to us about your process for taking all that information, both the snippet that they've filled out, the discovery that you do, and then how you actually open that first conversation? Because I think it'd be really interesting to hear how you're doing that as opposed to someone who's just like, hey, why'd you reach out today? Yeah, I love the purpose process payoff. I'm not sure if it's a methodology, but the purpose process payoff agenda opener in all of my meetings. So this is where I'm taking all of the pre-call research that I've done and saying the purpose of today is X, Y, and Z. What I want to cover today is X, Y, and Z. And then by the end of this call, we should have full clarity on X, Y, and Z. So based off of my pre-call research, that's where I'm filling in that template. So, you know, the purpose of today, I saw in your demo form that you're interested in automating these two different solutions. What I want to cover today is the business reason behind that. I'd love to learn if there's a project or an initiative that's driving this. And what are the business challenges of why you're here wanting to evaluate Zapier today? So by the end of this call, we should have full clarity on if Zapier is the right solution for solving your business challenge. And we should be able to walk through the various ways similar organizations to yours are going through a full evaluation of Zapier. I love that agenda because you're making it very clear to the customer that you are trying to understand the business reason for them making a change. And I talked to so many salespeople that they come up with these convoluted discovery questions to try to uncover the business reason versus you're just stating that's the purpose of what I'm trying to get out of this call. And when you tell the customer where you want to end up, which is what you're doing in your agenda, you don't need to have this fancy triple humbling disclaimer accusation audit question. They'll just take you there most of the time. I'm curious about what that looks like when you get into the conversation and how you flush your discovery out a bit. I think it's different depending on the situation. Are they familiar with Zapier? Are they using as currently versus not? I want to learn if there is a specific project that is tied to their role or are they supporting some initiative just around automation across maybe a couple of different cross-functional teams. I want to uncover how have they tried to fix this? Are you currently trying to fix this already? 
What other solutions are you evaluating to try and fix this? And of those attempts to try and fix this problem, why haven't they been successful? I think by starting to go through a couple of my different cadences of questions, that really helps me land on a couple of different things. Like how big is the problem? How qualified is it in terms of this being a true business challenge to solve for? Well, I actually want to hone in on something you said, Taylor, which is the idea of like starting to quantify the problem. And I'm curious how you go about doing that on these first calls. I think going into your call, knowing like what's the minimum criteria that you need to exit that meeting to be able to do exactly what you said. By the end of this call, we should have full clarity on if we're going through an evaluation or not. I'm doing some things to try and uncover, is this a certain project or initiative that this is tied to? Is this something that you're trying to solve for your own individual needs? Or is this something that's supporting a couple different cross-functional teams as well? Why are you looking to solve this? And why are you looking at Zapier? That's when I can start getting into some of those requirements. That's where I'm able to really get into the technical side of things to really say by the end of the call, hey, I heard that you listed off these requirements. We're actually not the right solution for you. Or I heard that this is a true business challenge. You've made attempts. You're looking for a no-code solution. And based off of a couple of other different requirements that align to some of our features and functions, do I have permission to open up and talk to you about some of our different plans? Can you explain to me why you ask for permission? I think it's a really smart nuance and I want to hear your rationale behind it. When you ask for permission, I find it opens up the floodgates for your customer either to say, no, can you answer a couple of more questions for me? And then you can ask for permission again, or it opens up and the prospect says, absolutely, these are the reasons why I think this is going to be a good solution. Then you can dig in even more and ask more discovery questions based off of what they're excited about. So you get to the end of that conversation, right? You've done all this great discovery. You've identified a business need. You've identified that it's a fit for you. You spoke with us in the prep call about your approach for mutual action plans. So what I'm hearing as you described the first call is you're getting a ton of information. And I'm also hearing that it could be different roles, different levels of seniority. So before we get too deep into mutual action plans, maybe just help us understand first and foremost, why do you use them? And what is your goal behind a mutual action plan coming out of that conversation? Why I use a mutual action plan is that it's an opportunity for me to always be qualifying my deals It's an opportunity where we always want to be testing our champions and it's a way for me to be a super sharp seller and know exactly where my deals are and what are the missing puzzle pieces for me to be able to prioritize a deal and move a deal from one stage, one category to the next. And then how do you introduce it to the buyer? Because I would say like, I think sometimes where we get tripped up is it's like, here's a bunch of homework. Will you do it for me? So how do you make it a win for the buyer as much as it is a win for you? I introduce this to my champion before I introduce it to the buyer. Reason for that being, it's a way for me to test my champion, but it's a way for me to make my champion look really good to their boss, who is more than likely the buyer. It's an opportunity I go through and say, hey, customers typically go about evaluating us like this. I put together a brief project plan or a mutual action plan. I'd love to find 15 minutes for you to make sure that this process aligns with yours. I put in a couple of ideas of some due dates for us to work back from the go-live timeline that we discussed. Could you help me understand what are the some internal tasks and milestones you need to accomplish us moving into the next step and make sure that we have a milestone owner for each one of these tasks? So Taylor, what are some of the things that go into a typical mutual action plan for you? 
typical things that go into it are thinking of internally, what are the different things that I know I'm going to need in order to know that this is a qualified deal? Also, what are the things that my champion are more than likely not thinking of? When I'm going into this, I think it's replicable no matter the type of segment you're selling in. But I'm thinking some of those really large enterprise deals that have a lot of different steps to them, your champion may know that they're going to need to open up a ticket with your procurement team to start the security, the legal, the finance review, but they may not know who are all the people and what are all the different tasks associated with each of those steps. So what goes into this mutual action plan is everything from the first conversation all the way to a signature and a go-live date of when they're building their first zap. So things like procurement process has kicked off with a due date and a milestone owner. Questions about that. When I'm in my mutual action plan review meeting with my champion, I'm asking things along the lines of, hey, what does a typical security review process look like? Is there going to be a questionnaire we have to fill out? Is Johnny in IT the only person that needs to review our answers? If so, about how long does that typically take? Awesome. What does that turnaround time typically look like? I'm really meticulous of thinking through all the different things to one, be able to coach my champion, but two, also when it comes down to what I talked about a little bit ago, are those give gets for me to be able to highlight? Absolutely. We can go ahead and provide you this information for your CFO to review. But what I'm going to need in return is to ensure that your legal team has reviewed our terms of service for the reason that those are something that we're maybe not able to edit. Or if red lines do come through, there's some internal review processes that are going to add an additional two weeks to our timeline. And that's going to throw things off. It's a way for me to be really honest with my champion and make sure that we have all the tasks associated to be able to continue with the timeline that we've previously agreed on. So I'm really curious about something. So I'm going to ask you a what happens when question, because I think sometimes I've certainly run up against this in deals, in enterprise deals where you're working with a really large organization. What do you do when your champion is just really struggling to give you answers? So if they're like, I don't know, I've never bought something like this before. How do you handle that such that you're not just like, okay, send me to the person that can answer the questions? I think it's a delicate dance. And based on the way that you've described every other answer, you've got a really thoughtful approach. So I'm really curious for how you handle it. I think this comes really apparent in your initial qualification, right? That's something I'm asking in all of my discovery questions. Hey, customer, have you ever gone through the purchasing process at your organization? And can you walk me through what that typically looks like after this conversation to start those conversations? If they don't have an answer to that, chances are they know who does. And I try to really quickly get introduced to that person. If you're waiting to ask those questions when you're reviewing the project plan, chances are you just don't have a champion. So we need to go in and source who that person is. So I think it'd be like super transparent, or I think it'd be super fair to ask your prospect in those situations to say, hey, in order to move forward, I really want to like work with you and understand who would be owning this from an admin permissioning standpoint. Maybe then that opens up the floodgate that actually IT needs to open this new tool. Hey, champion, have any of your colleagues ever gone through the process of purchasing software before? Maybe they'll be able to make an introduction over there. Or that's also a really great time for them to say, I know my boss has permission to do this. Why don't I loop my boss into this conversation? What I'd be happy to do for you doing that in return is I'm happy to loop my manager into that conversation as well for us to figure this out together. What happens when your champion suddenly leaves the organization and you're at the stage of you've already started working on a map, but they had a lot of the next step ownership. What do you do in those situations? 
In my pre-call research, I'm hoping to already start that process of multi-threading. So whether that be, we know in every single deal, there's multiple decision makers, right? So do I know that their boss is clued into this? And do I know who that is after doing some sales nav research? What if that happens? How qualified is the deal as well? If we haven't identified that there's an actual initiative to solve for this problem, I maybe just didn't have a true deal on my hands. If that's the case, I'm going to make sure I put a task on my to-do list to check in another month, another three, another six months to see, has anybody taken their place? Has any more active usage happened on their account to see if maybe somebody's replaced them? I'm also going to make sure I have sales and ad notifications turned on. Continuously check in, is somebody going to replace them? And can I reach out and say, hey, if I did have true pain that was associated and a real deal on my hands, I think that's the perfect opportunity for me to then start doing some cold outreach and say, hey, I was working with someone who was previously at the organization. They shared, you know, in a couple quick snippets that they're experiencing this pain, this challenge, and this is the business impact that's associated with that. Does this seem like something you'd be interested in continuing the conversation about? If not, would you mind making a recommendation of who's taken over for them or maybe somebody else at the organization that could help out? Okay, so you talked about, Taylor, you're putting this to-do item to make sure that you check the usage of the account and follow up with the person or attempt to break into the org the other way. And it's making me think about just how process-driven you actually are. You were talking to me about this pre-meeting snippet that you send and how you have a standardized template for your sales notes even. Talk to me about almost your personal operating system. How do you make sure that you're staying on top of all of the things that you have to do to actually hit your quota? Yeah, it didn't come overnight. It came from moving from a really outbound motion to now in a high velocity inbound motion that I'm in today. I'm context switching a lot throughout the day. So the more I can templatize all of my processes, the better I can be in terms of getting back to customers sooner. I can better be to context switch when that customer reaches back out to me or we have our next follow-up meeting on the calendar. Walking you through what my process looks like, it looks like I'm setting up a lot of automations for myself for any time a new business meeting is on my calendar. I'm doing that pre-call research. I'm quickly sending out that snippet if there's more information that I need. I have a notes document that I use for every customer. I have a task after every meeting that's already pre-popularized for me to be able to make sure I send a follow-up email to all of my customers to cover what we covered in the call and to make sure that I have outlined what our next steps are. For every single open deal that I have in my pipeline, I have a task associated with that. For every closed loss deal that I think is not a complete closed loss, but is maybe a forward-thinking deal, I have a task for me to check in with them in about three months. A couple of other different processes that I'm automating would just be a lot of what are the go-to questions that customers are constantly asking me. Land me to your pricing page. Can you send over your terms of service? Can you share your data processing addendum with me? These are all snippets that I have. There's a lot of different tools out there between outreach snippets, between a lot of other different tools out there. Maybe you have just like a keyboard shortcut that you have. It just helps to make sure you've covered your basis and you're asking all the right questions, but it also just make sure you're so much more effective and efficient with your time to templatize the processes that you're just seeing come up often on the day to day. I want to ask you, Taylor, about sometimes we have these great first meetings with customers and they've got a big business initiative and things go great and you get a next step on the books and then they don't show up. 
or they say, oh, send over some times I get a jet and they leave the Zoom and you're like, mm, okay, I guess I'm gonna follow up. Talk to me about how you manage staying on top of deals that you need to push forward that don't always have a clear next step on the books. When I don't have a clear next step on the books, I usually equate that to it's probably not as much of a qualified deal that I originally thought it was. So what do I want to do? I probably want to reach out to them and ask a couple more qualifying questions. That's going to really help me put them into a couple different buckets. Do I need to send some follow-up resources that help them learn a little bit more about what Zapier is and suggest, hey, after you're able to look at this pre-recorded demo that we have, let me know if it still makes sense for us to connect. I'm also not opposed to sending some blind calendar invites. Those have only gotten me in trouble a couple of times. If it's a qualified deal and someone that is going to be interested in that next steps, sometimes those prospects really appreciate the fact that you just put something blind on there. So what I do to actually go about that in a respectful way, hey, Nick, I know we got cut off our first meeting and there were a couple of different things we talked about as a next step. Went ahead and put us on for 15 minutes at that same time here and next week. Let me know if you can't make it. Happy to adjust. If it does work, here's my agenda for this conversation. These were the three things that we weren't able to cover. I'd really like to center around these three different questions in that next conversation. Looking forward to it. Oh man, Taylor, I could ask you this stuff all day, but we are running out of time and we got to move to the final question. And the final question is this. We've talked about a lot of great things salespeople should be doing. Now I got to ask you about a shouldn't. And so the last question is, what is one bad habit that you see a lot of salespeople exhibiting that you think they need to break because it hurts them more than it helps? Some of the best sales advice I've ever received early on in my career is ask for forgiveness, not permission. I see so many reps, myself included, at times who slow their deals down due to lack of confidence or just trusting their knowledge or abilities. I think it hurts you more than it helps you for those reasons. You learn by doing in some of the sharpest enterprise and major account executives I've worked with in the past take ownership of their work. We have approval process for a reason. You don't always have to wait for your one-on-one or a deal review to ask questions. Trust yourself enough to really soar and not get in your own way. The worst thing that could happen is you get a no, but the best thing that could happen is you trust yourself, you progress your deal, and it moves you a lot faster and more efficiently because you went for it and didn't ask for permission. Boom. I love it. Taylor, thank you for joining us. Everybody stick around for a 60-second recap coming up soon. Your Zoom Info actionable insight tactic is called Jane's Moving Up. Why? Because that's the email subject line you'll use when you get a real-time notice that your prospect Jane just got promoted. From there in the email, explain how ZoomInfo helps rising sales leaders win their first 90 days on the job by highlighting coaching opportunities or supporting a team-wide prospecting push. And you can try out this trigger-based email template for prospect promotion and four other scenarios inspired by ZoomInfo's go-to-market plays. Link in the show notes. Otter AI's Otter Pilot for Sales gives you the freedom to sell on your discovery calls by taking notes for you. One of the best ways to deepen your discovery is to ask your prospect about the impetus behind their goals. So when a prospect tells me they want to advertise on more sales podcasts, I'll say, well, it's not every day that you wake up and decide you want to sponsor a podcast. What's causing you to even explore this in the first place? Now, we put together the ultimate discovery checklist with our friends at Otter AI, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. This actionable competitive tactic from Clue is the trap question. Steer discovery toward the winning zone. If we're competing with a podcast that has no newsletter or webinar series, we might ask a trap question like, how do you figure out if those podcast listeners are making their way to your mailing list? 
And when you're in a head-to-head, there's no better way to prepare for your next competitive battle than with our trap questions and battle card templates from our friends at Clue. The link's in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration tip is brought to you by Demandbase. If you want to save a ton of time as a salesperson and be more relevant, I recommend you prioritize your prospecting by those prospects who are showing buyer intent. It'll keep you from making a bunch of noise and reaching out to folks who aren't in market, and instead you'll reach out to folks who are in market. Now, we built a bunch of templates to help you prioritize, accelerate, and win with Demandbase, and there is a link to those wonderful templates in today's show notes. Your top four actionable takeaways from this episode with Taylor Lemke is number one, do not go in blind to an inbound lead meeting. Before that meeting, reach out to the folks who booked the meeting with you and give them a pre-meeting questionnaire. If you can get answers to this stuff, it will make for a far more productive introductory conversation with the customer. Number two, If you've got a good opportunity where you've just been struggling to get back on the calendar, it's all right to send the prospect a blind calendar invite, aka put something on their calendar, so long as you put some context in that calendar invite. It might sound like, hey, Jen, I know we wanted to meet to discuss A, B, and C. If this time works for you, let me know. If not, no problem. Just decline the invite and let me know a better time that might work for you. Hoping to hear from you soon, Nick. Number three, use Taylor's purpose plan payoff opener to ensure a strong start to your first call with the buyer. Purpose is why are we here? Plan, how are we going to achieve it? Payoff, what's in it for the buyer at the end of the meeting? And number four, my favorite, separate interest from need by quantifying the problem. Taylor shared questions like, is there a specific business objective this maps back to? How have you currently tried to fix this? What else are you trying to do to fix the problem? What works and what hasn't? This will give you a much better idea of whether the prospect is simply interested or if there's a true need behind why they're reaching out. Nick, how can listeners help us out today? Well, did you know that we actually write down the stuff that we learn on 30 Minutes to President's Club, including this episode? And we occasionally email out all of the learnings that we've had from all of 30MPC in an easy-to-understand newsletter format. And if you're interested in getting the 30MPC newsletter, I promise I won't send you a blind calendar invite. Don't worry about that. You can sign up at the link in the show notes. I promise you it's the great 30MPC goodness, but you can read it in my voice as opposed to having to hear my voice. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on the show. This week's actionable prospecting tactic is from Sixth Sense, who shows you the prospects who are most likely to buy so you can get more meetings with fewer activities. Personalizing cold emails requires you to only change the first paragraph in a trigger template. All you have to do is tie the research to the problem you solve in paragraph one, and then switch that out while you leave paragraphs two and three, your solution and call to action, exactly the same. And so we are giving you six of these trigger templates with our partners at Sixth Sense. The link is in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration tip is brought to you by Demandbase. If you want to save a ton of time as a salesperson and be more relevant, I recommend you prioritize your prospecting by those prospects who are showing buyer intent. It'll keep you from making a bunch of noise and reaching out to folks who aren't in market, and instead you'll reach out to folks who are in market. Now, we built a bunch of templates to help you prioritize, accelerate, and win with Demandbase, and there is a link to those wonderful templates in today's show notes.